I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Frau Pow. Odd's your host. <laughs> and I'm interviewing Rags. <laughs> so fun. Old switcheroo. Yeah. Um, I will be interviewing Rags today. Um, we'll be talking about her um, life and all the things that are interesting about her. Um, hopefully y'all know who... Uh, Rags is, but she's a wonderful co-host, and now she's going to tell us her life story. Um, so I think that um, something that you mentioned a lot, and maybe we haven't lot, spent a lot of time talking about, maybe we have and everyone's bored, but I want to hear about it, <laughs> um, is, um, so you have something called chronic migraines. Yep. So how, like, what does that mean and how does it impact your day-to-day? So it means that I basically have, a, a, what's the word? Um, I think it's intractable or is it untractable? I think it's intractable. I don't even know what that um, means. Uh, chronic migraines are defined as like an intractable neurological disorder um, that can also be degenerative. Um, so intractable means that it's really hard to cure. Um, I failed nine different medications and treatments. I qualified for Botox. Um, and then I found out that one vial is like one of my paychecks. It's and so then expensive. I found out that I needed like 16 vials. Yeah, it's so expensive. And I said, hard fucking pass. Yeah, insurance doesn't cover it. It's real yeah. stupid. Um, so basically what it looks like for me is very it varies on a day-to-day basis i have different kinds of migraines depending on the triggers um 
I can have a migraine because it's overcast and it's too gray outside and too gray means it's too bright. And then I am out for the day because I'm too nauseous to function and my head is screaming, but it's really my eyes. My eyes are really affected. So I have to wear sunglasses. Um, I have days where my migraine goes down into my trigeminal nerve, which is a nerve that goes into your jaw and into your teeth where I can't eat. I have to drink everything through a straw and I have to cover my mouth with a bandana, which is why I skate with a bandana. If anybody's ever asking, it's because cold air hurts my teeth and my head. Um, so I have a number of different kinds of migraines and I've had a migraine every day of my life since I was 16. And for reference, I am 28. Oh, yeah. So um, have you tried this one thing that my Go mother said? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> also, peppermint essential oil works great for some people. It is one of my biggest triggers. That's because you're obstinate, too. Yes, 100%. <laughs> With every fiber of your being. That works for you, doesn't for me. <laughs> Go fuck yourself in your essential oils, Karen. <laughs> um, But I think something you didn't talk about is that um, you also have seizures. So like, what does that mean? And how did, the, how are those two correlated or caused, caused by each other? Um, okay, so I have non-epileptic seizures. Um, so there really is, there's a lot of things wrong with my brain. Um, I'll say. But causing seizures is technically not one of them in so much that the electrical impulses in my brain do not cause my seizures. Um, I got it tested. I went to a neurologist. I got a seizure doing it, but it was not because of electrical impulses. My seizures are connected to panic attacks and my anxiety. My body doesn't know what to do with the cortisol that builds up in my body through activity or through stress. Um, and then I have a seizure. Um, this can happen in basically any high stress situation. Um, and the reason why this is connected kind of like in a very roundabout way to my migraines is because um, one of the symptoms that I had early on with my migraines with a really bad migraine is I feel like my core is shaking and whether or not I look like I'm shaking, I feel like my body's shaking. So it has always made me feel unsteady. And then about um, 2020, 2016, um, I started having seizures, non-epileptic. And it was partially linked to my migraines. It was partially linked to a traumatic incident. And it is also partially linked to my inability to handle anxiety. Um, so it's kind of like a whole mixture of a whole bunch of things. I have found that as my migraines elevated or escalated in pain, I was more prone to a seizure. So what is what do those seizures look like since they're non-epileptic? Um, so I'm not at risk of swallowing my tongue. I'm not at risk of biting off my tongue, but I am. Um, basically, I compare it to like a crunch, like that the abdominal activity of crunching. Um, I basically want to curl into myself, and I start like shaking and going into myself, and it it like it doesn't hurt for the first like few seconds of it, but then my muscles tense up so much that they start to cramp and I can't catch my breath. I'm basically hyperventilating because I can't get my body to calm down and I can't get my muscles to release. And one of the things that my partner and I have figured out that works really well is get me on my back and just push my shoulders into the ground. Um, and doing that kind of forces my body to not crunch my muscles and like really force myself into myself in like a very weird way um 
and it you look like a little roly poly yeah you, i basically become a roly poly and like if you can't let me go on my side because i just immediately start to curl into myself and that causes me more pain um and then as soon as it, i come down from it i'm kind of like i'm kind of a little out of it like i'm a little starry but not so not as you think, like I'm pretty aware of what's happening. Um, I can listen to you. I can't really um, communicate back to you, at least verbally. Um, and afterwards, I just kind of have to like get my head back into the game. Like I'm aware of everything. It just kind of takes me a little bit to collect myself. And then there's that mental fallout of like, shit, this is happening. And I, I, super embarrassed because i'm very much aware of everything that's happening because it's not electrical impulses in my brain it is everything else that's happening so it it i started off being really embarrassed by it and now i'm just like yeah whatever i have seizures fucking deal with it mm -hmm. and that's why you wear your plugs and eat mm -hmm. mustard yeah uh mustard's weird because the salt and the vinegar stop from cramping mm -hmm. um a lot of marathoners carry mustard packets as they run i found that one out so <laughs> God knows I keep mustard packets. Yeah, I have a lot of them in my fanny pack. Yes. Um, so I can say honestly that I haven't had a seizure in over a year. Um, a lot of that is due to just learning my body better and being able to do my sports better, or being able to interpret where I'm at pain-wise and anxiety-wise and just doing some activities for myself that will be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, also knowing that like I can't have certain things. So, um, I would tend to have seizures at derby games or at lifting competitions. And so I can no longer have caffeine immediately before an event because it's the caffeine will put me too much over the edge and can cause lack of muscle recruitment, which will then cause me to have a seizure because I'll just be too shaky. And then my body will be like, and it's time to go. Um, so yeah, just kind of like having to learn more about myself and pay better attention. And I can still come pretty close. I have come pretty close in the last like few months. That's what she said. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, but right now it seems to be manifesting more as like book cramps or shin splints. Like I'm not going to have a seizure, but other parts of my body are tensing up and I can't control that muscle just tensing er like erratically and I can't just like stop it. So a lot of times during derby games, you'll see me like walking around with like 15 minutes left in the first half with me not wearing skates because like my feet are cramped and I can't do anything about it. But I've gotten a lot better. Um, um so you're an anxious person. What? Yeah. Um, you're very confident though. So I think people don't really understand that those like can still coexist. They, they coexist very well. <laughs> <laughs> I just sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, and so I want to kind of talk about how OCD has played into that. I think it's just really important to, not that we're like, you're airing out all of your like. Dirty laundry. Dirty laundry. But I think it's just very interesting to see everything sort of how it's all really related to each other mm -hmm. and sort of in this like weird feedback loop. Yeah, it it's all very like comorbid in a way. Mm -hmm. um, they found that, I mean, chronic pain is very much comorbid with depression, which is then comorbid with anxiety. So then it just becomes like a weird feedback loop of like chronic pain, depression, anxiety, and rinse, lather, repeat. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then you throw OCD into the mix and OCD and anxiety exist very well together. I mean, it's a, it's it, yeah, it's very related to anxiety. It's yeah. Type of anxiety disorder. Basically. Yeah. Um, as I play with my fidget toy. <laughs> um, and I also wanted to talk to you about OCD because I think that people typically think about OCD as um, the compulsion part. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, washing your hands a certain amount of times right. or touching a doorknob three times before you have to leave right. or whatever that looks like, um, which is, you know, it is very common, but there is the obsessive part. Yes. Um, that's really important to talk about, too. Right. And I would also like to add to that, that there is there are the compulsion parts that a lot of people don't pay attention to, such as like stimming with your hands, which is what I'm doing currently. Um, I've always been fidgety and now I have a. I have a label to why I'm fidgety and I realize I have to fidget, but it's not, it's not me flicking the light switch three times. It's me just doing something with my fingers and my hands to make sure that like, I'm not then going to be flailing my arms and knocking things over, you know? Cause like, I just, I'm a very kinetic person. I have to move. Um, but in terms of the obsession, the obsessiveness, um, a lot of my OCD revolves around I call it broken record thoughts. Um, your brain just basically becomes a broken record and not usually on good things, usually on bad things that you don't want to address, that you don't want to see. Um, I remember texting you at one point that like, uh, I basically, every single time that I would think about um, cutting up this log that I have that I'm working on and making it into a piece of art, I would just involuntarily see me lobbing off a finger, chopping my hand, something with like a hacksaw, like something that like has a battery and, you know, a like a, a trigger almost to it to power it. Um, and the visual was so overpowering and so disturbing because I couldn't stop it. And it just would happen every single time that I would close my eyes. And I'm, I'm obsessing about making this piece of wood into a work of art. And then because I'm looking forward to doing something, I'm thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, this really bad image would always pop up. And this was popping up, I have to say, like, no less than 15 times a day for a whole week. And finally, I was just like, I can't let this happen. Like, obviously, safety third. But like, there's a certain point where I like all my fingers, as most people do. So I went to the store, I bought a longer blade, which allows me to have better control of it and the tool. Um, I also bought a handsaw. If I ever feel unsafe, I switch over to a handsaw. And it's something as simple as sometimes you have to just go buy the right tool so your brain can just shut up. And then sometimes it's just like, it's absolutely repulsive what your brain thinks of and you can't do anything about it because like, you have to go to the bathroom or you have to do this activity and then your brain just puts in a negative image that makes you just like involuntarily like shudder in disgust and annoyance that you can't stop it and then think about that happening every single time that you do the activity so think about like having a really invasive image every single time you go to the bathroom or think about having a really invasive image every time you think about doing something you enjoy and it's so invasive and so much in your head that you can't stop it from happening, but you also want to enjoy your activity. And that's what obsession feels like. And you can't stop it. And like, you can take medication. I'm trying to not, I'm trying to cope in other ways, but 
but it gets really hard. Well, yeah, and I think you also have found like ways to be more like, like project your, I forget the stupid word for the coping mechanism, but you know, you're trying to, you're using sublimation, that's what it's called. Um, what does you, that mean? It means that you're taking your, I might also be wrong about that. So, um, <laughs> but it means that you're taking um, whatever you're trying to cope with and you're the, and then you put it into something productive. Yeah. Um. So you're doing mazes. Yes. Buying wood. Buying wood to do more mazes. Um. My partner and I currently have a joke that I have to actively work on a maze in some shape or form every day to make like a, an offering to the OCD gods. Because otherwise my day doesn't feel complete and I don't sleep and like it just completely like spirals out. Now there are days where I don't need to do that at all. And those days are great, but those are days that I had to purposely acknowledge that like, hey, look, I'm just too busy to work on this today. So I'm just not gonna work on it. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. But I've I made that acknowledgement up front. And like if it happens, great, but it's probably not and like it's not gonna happen tonight. That's okay. I'm okay with that. I've I've made peace with that. But if I plan on doing it and then I don't do it, everything like everything just feels a little extra, like a little more overbearing mm -hmm. because I didn't get to do the thing that I looked forward to the most. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess like a really good way to explain that is for the last couple of weeks, I've been really looking forward to my workouts so much so that when I set an alarm to wake up in the morning, I literally wake up at 1230 and I don't go back to sleep. <laughs> it's never been my problem. Like, I will doze. Yeah. But I will wake up, doze, wake up, doze. I will wake up at least 10 times before my alarm because I'm like, I need to go to the gym. Why am I not at the gym? How come I can't go to the gym right now? It's fucking like two o'clock in the morning and the gym doesn't open until five, dumbass. But like, that's that's what my brain does. It's just like, as soon as I get super excited about something, it fixates and then I have to go do it. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how we got this podcast. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's Can't be a, used for good things. A lot of good things. I do think a lot of good things have come out of it. Um, I the on the flip side, it does make me almost feel like a hypochondriac, where I think that I have some other undiagnosed disorders that are not being addressed because I think this is kind of taking precedence. But I don't know how true that is because my brain just makes it like it just fills in the blanks and just says, no, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. just And it just becomes that broken record of constantly having to do something. Mm -hmm. So like there's a part of me that's like, no, I'm pretty sure that I have ADHD. And I'm like, or that could be your OCD masking is ADHD. Or that could be your anxiety making you think that you have ADHD because you have to do X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, I just want to label. But I also know that like, my OCD is taking the forefront again of, of like obsessively thinking about something mm -hmm. and like maybe I do maybe I don't does it matter for me to have a label necessarily on it probably not but there's a part of me that's like no you need to know and so it's like it, again the like there's a broken record going through my head almost constantly so I basically am entertaining like 20 thoughts at the same time have you when was um, the first time you started noticing these types of symptoms? Eight years old. <laughs> that was very definite. Uh, I was talking I, to my therapist about this. I was going to say, this. I was like, what's <laughs> you're talking about? Your therapist. Okay. I have a new therapist, everyone. I'm very excited <laughs> that you have a therapist. Um, 
No, because I mean, I, I know as a kid for me, I can remember like as long as I can remember my like my first memory literally is like anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine with yeah. something like this, that's like part of your neurobiology. Yeah, it's weird because I never really paid attention to it. And I guess I don't know if it's possibly because I never had the chance to pay attention to it or because a lot of my need to move around worked out really well because I was always in sports and I just always had an outlet. So there's a lot of reasons why I think maybe I've made it this I made it to like three years ago without actually becoming like somewhat aware of it. Um, I do remember having my broken record thoughts at eight years old, though, like around fourth grade. <laughs> so said that like I was interviewing you on TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question, Dr. Odd. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we talked about you having migraines and that you're basically in pretty much constant pain. How Mm -hmm. is that? How do you manage that like day to day? Um, so it's kind of a mixture of just being obstinate. Um, there, I'm going to back up and say there was a lot of me learning how to manage the pain, um, a lot of learning how to meditatively breathe as you're doing something, a lot of just learning your body. And um, there was a while where I fought it and that caused more pain because like you're just trying to fight it. Um, and then like there's also the fact that I failed so many medications with some of them having almost disastrous effects on my immune system and my body. Um, so there's a lot of things that have happened that kind of made me learn to just deal with what I have. And I'm not saying that that's the best thing for everyone. I'm just saying that my experience for myself is proving that it's the best thing for me at this time. Yeah, This could change in a month. This could change in three years. This could possibly never change. Um, but at this time, I'm pretty unwilling to go to a neurologist. I'm pretty unwilling to try any other medications, even if it's this miraculous cure. Um, and a lot of that is because I've kind of learned to make peace with like, this is what I have. Um, so in terms of like how I'm managing the pain, um, I talked about meditative breathing. Um, a lot of times you just kind of have to breathe through it because like you don't really have a choice. You're going to be in pain. So you just have to deal with it. Um, the part of bargaining, that's like if you're driving and you get struck with this really bad pain, can you make it home? And so like you look at the time and you're like, OK, I'm 15 minutes from home. I just need 15 minutes. And in your head, that's what you're telling yourself as you get closer and closer to home. You start telling yourself, OK. I'm 10 minutes away. I just need 10 more minutes. I just need 10 more minutes. I and just... literally no one else can drive your car because you drive six shifts. Yes, exactly. Because you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm obstinate. But this is like where being obstinate has kind of been helpful for me is that I recognize that I'm going to be in pain whether I'm home or at work or at roller derby or in the gym or wherever. I have a migraine right now. I'm going to be in pain. It's a matter of is it manageable? Can I work through it? And is this something that I really enjoy doing? Because if I'm going to be in pain no matter what, and if nothing really works for me except for medical cannabis and ice packs, then I'm going to be in pain regardless, and I might as well go do it. And this is where, like, being obstinate is kind of a good thing because, like, for me, I'm just like, okay, well, I enjoy doing it, and the payout of enjoying it is greater than sitting at home being in pain and being miserable. 
Is that always the case? No. Do I recognize that that might not be the case in a month or five years? 100%. But for me, it's something that I'm currently able to do and I'm grateful that I'm able to do it, but it also has its drawbacks. I come home, I'm more exhausted. Um, It makes me irritable. Um, I know that I'm going to have a really bad migraine when I get like so irritable out of nowhere. Like I can be laughing and then all of a sudden I want to put my hand through the wall and like, you know, I'm going to have a migraine in the next half hour. That's going to be so bad. Um, And then the only other thing that I do is just I microdose with marijuana. And that is basically how I survive. Spite and marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also it's kind of like killing your nerves slowly so at least you have that oh yeah no that's a good one um i lose feeling in like half my body like, why not in your brain you know i know right there my favorite is when i i've been misdiagnosed i've seen migraine and headache specialists and they couldn't help me and at one stage one doctor was like have you ever considered that it was all in your head i'm like yes that is where all my pain is of course <laughs> it's all in my head you dumbass um even if it's like psychosomatic like it's still very real pain yeah it's still very real pain i do lose feeling um in parts of my body um i have woken up some mornings and just like my whole right arm is numb and that's not because of sleeping funny it's just because i'm about to get a really bad migraine um is that always my indicator of a really bad migraine no sometimes i can get really bad migraines without that but more often than not i do have some sort of neuropathy that tells me the barometer of what i'm dealing with for the day so, yeah. Yay. And you have a high pain tolerance. I have an amazingly high pain tolerance. Yeah. yeah. Because I have a neuro, I have a neurological degenerative disease that is just slowly killing my nerves in my body. Do you think that sometimes that the all the nerve <laughs> damage um, is causing your anxiety because it's like eating away at your brain? Sometimes I think that, but now I'm going to think that a lot more because Sorry. I was ignoring it. <laughs> That's what I would be afraid of. I, I am mean, honestly more afraid of down the line having dementia or oh, I or for sure Alzheimer's. have dementia already. I mean, I joke about it with Tyler, and he's going to be listening to this maybe eventually and um, rolling his eyes because I say it pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, but my anxiety has just eaten holes in my brain. Yeah, Swiss cheese brain. We've talked Swiss, about this a lot. Swiss cheese brain for sure, and I have very a very hard time remembering like the past but an even harder time like remembering like short-term stuff mm-hmm. um like tyler remembers like all these like amazing dates that we've been on because he's so sweet and romantic and i he'll be like do you remember that one time we had this romantic dinner and went to this place and i'm like no i don't see i actually have really good memory um, but I think one of the reasons why I have really good memory is because I'm consciously trying to remember as much as I can because I I feel like down the line I'm going to have dementia. I'm absolutely gonna of, have dementia. Because of like the like how it's destroying my brain. Oh yeah, my anxiety and childhood trauma destroy has destroyed my brain. And I told Tyler we're moving to a um a state where they believe in medical assisted suicide because like I don't want to live through that. I've yeah. seen it all. Most of my grandparents go through it. Oh, yeah. Great. It's hard. Not a cute look. No. For anybody. No. Not and, at all. And it's frustrating for that person and also for the anybody, the family members. Mm-hmm. When I think like for me, a lot of times it's super frustrating that when I get a really bad migraine, I I become relatively uncommunicative 
I can't really speak. Um, I get aphasia, so I know exactly the words that I want to say, but they don't happen. Um, and it's weird because sometimes I only get aphasia in English and I can tell you what's wrong in Italian, which helps literally no one around me. Um, and so like I just get these weird symptoms of it, and then I become just relatively unable to communicate. And it's like, this is helping no one. And I know I need to tell you, but I don't know how else to do it, which is why sign language is one of my goals. But I don't know if I'm going to have an issue signing when I'm in like high levels of pain. Mm-hmm. So that will be something that we would also have to learn. So and also like other people need to learn the sign. Yeah, language. I just kind yeah. of learned to just like go like this and point to my head and make a sad face. And Christy knows that like I have a really bad migraine if I do that. I mean, that's also effective. <laughs> Let's not have to like learn a whole another language. I mean, I'd have to. You could just write stuff down. I could if I fall up to it. <laughs> it's so annoying. <laughs> But like, okay, so one thing that is sometimes not as difficult is a lot of people with migraines say like, oh, I don't want bright lights and I don't want bright lights. But for some reason, the phone is okay because I can scroll and distract myself. And if I can distract myself, I can kind of function for a little bit. It might be the type of light. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it it definitely is. It isn't where it's like stimulating in your Mm -hmm. brain. Yeah. Um, but sometimes the phone is my best distraction for when I'm having like a really bad broken record day or a really high pain day. Sometimes just having an endless feed to scroll down has actually been beneficial for me. And that's why you should only follow animals on your social media. Which is why I'm curating my social media to be puppies and cats and mazes. Mazes. Yeah. Because everything else is infuriating. Yes. So I get migraines, but I don't know. I think they are caused by anxiety and stress. Um, and also the my anxiety and stress has caused me a lot of chronic back pain. Um, something where they just they came up with this diagnosis that basically means that my bus my muscles are constantly in spasm in my back. Cool, 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 cool. Um, they don't know why because I'm very anxious. Um, and um, there's nothing they can do to fix it except for inject Botox. Oddly, cool. Um, that's very expensive. What? Uh huh. Um, and you know, I like to have control of my back muscles. So anyway, so my um, my migraines sort of stem from all of that mm-hmm. like stress and tension in my back. Yeah. But they start oddly behind. Well, that's now I can never use that word anymore. Um, peculiarly, I can't say that right. Peculiarly, no, peculiarly, peculiarly. No, I don't weirdly, weirdly, they start behind my eye, and I like do start doing this thing where I like just start like squinting, and it's not like I can't see, but it feels better for some reason. Yeah, and I just like squint when I have to look at people, and um, yeah, that's when I can tell I have a migraine, and it's like always behind just one of them. Yeah, and. It feels like someone's sitting on my optic nerve, mm-hmm. and then every and then if I don't like take care of it, it it's just like bad news. Yeah, um, that reminded me of two of my weirdest migraine symptoms mm. that don't happen all the time. The first one's happening right now. Um, Great, my, my Still br- have to drive me home. I can't drive stick. <laughs> my brain feels itchy. And so it feels like I want to like go and scratch my brain. Because I clearly can't, uh, for that would obvious be so reasons. Gross, you know, 
like at um Halloween and they used to do those like little bowls full of like weird things that yeah. you can't look at. Yeah, and, like, like spaghetti. Like spaghetti. And that's what I'm imagining, like putting your hand in like spaghetti. Yeah, or like, I'm thinking like oh, it's more like pudding or like a... <laughs> so <laughs> um, So one of my weirdest symptoms is um, my brain feels itchy. It's a very weird thing to say. And it's also like a very weird sensation. My brain feels like it's tingling, but like on the surface of the brain. And I'm like, I just want to scratch my brain and I can't <laughs> throw up. Um, and then my second weirdest symptom is the eyelash in the eye effect, which is what I had for Mosa today. Um, so you know what it's like to have an eyelash in your eye. Now imagine you have a constant eyelash in your eye that you actually can't get out because it's not actually an eyelash. It's just like your eyes are doing this trick on you because- Do you mean of, like you see it or that you feel it? You feel it. Oh, see, when that happens to me, it just means I'm getting a sty, which oh. is- the worst. <laughs> oh no! This is like this actually like makes your blish your blah 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 blision vision blurry, like slightly blurry, not like completely incapable of like seeing, but just slightly blurry. Even when you wear glasses, you're like mm, something's off, oh. and it makes you start questioning like, do I need a stronger prescription? Am I not wearing my glasses? Is this computer monitor? Yeah, not? and that's kind of like that eyelash in the eye effect. Oh, mine don't hurt, but I do do that with my glasses. I'm like, maybe I can't see. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I do also get the little like squiggles on the sides of my oh, eyes, not auras, aura. no. but like it looks like, you know, when you like look on a microscope and like there's like a little, like if there's liquid, it's like kind of squiggly. Mm -hmm. It just stays there on the side and it feels like there's something in my eye. Only. Oh, I get like, that all the time. I, like a floater. Yeah, a floater, but just on the side, it doesn't move. Oh. So weird. I really, it really stresses me out. I feel like one day my like my retina is gonna shut down. <laughs> I like called my dad about it. I was like, "Is this normal?" He's like, "No." And I was like, "Great, I'm gonna die. <laughs> I'm having a stroke." That's what I thought. And he's like, "Well, I don't think you are." Oh my you're gosh. still talking to me. So sorry. Um, one thing that a lot of people don't realize with migraines is if they are bad enough, you can have what's called a migrainous stroke. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's all in your. Yeah, a little noodle. Because it, yeah, because of your blood vessels and your capillaries. Um, so you can have a migraine stroke. If you are on the birth control estrogen and you have chronic migraines, specifically with an aura, you are at a 50% higher risk of stroking, which is why birth control and I are like a weird combination. I have to be on progesterone instead. Um, yeah, I just, I think migraine stuff is crazy. And also it impacts more... Um, people uh, with XX chromosomes and, you know, not that we don't have any um, more bullshit to deal with, mm -hmm. but uh, that happens. Yeah. My favorite is when people mistake a headache for a migraine and they are very different. Um, so just like keep that in mind because migraines are very invisible disease and most people get them most People with XX chromosomes usually get it around like a certain time of month. Mm -hmm. um, and so it affects them disproportionately more than it does XY chromosomes. Um, but then there are specific people who do have chronic instead of just like a temporal or like just like a random migraines here and there. And the chronic migraines are where they really start to fuck with you. Because just think of your brain having constant, constant pain and swelling within it every single day. And what people don't realize is that it can make a lot of things difficult. Like sometimes it makes your whole body feel like lead. And sometimes it makes it sometimes will actually cause like intestinal issues. 
um, where the like the nerve damage actually extends down to your intestines and then you can have IBD or Crohn's like symptoms. Um, and it, it is very much an invisible illness that people are not really educated about because they're just like, oh, it's a headache mm-hmm. or like, oh, I had a migraine once. And like, yes, I feel bad for anybody with a migraine. But when you have them chronically, it fucks up your life in a very different way. Yeah. So, yeah. And so do you think that that it is um, like neurologically connected to your depression or do you think that it's because they can be like really isolating? Or both. I think it's a little bit of both because with it, you are less likely to want to communicate when you are having a high like flare day, like a very painful flare day, um, which then in itself makes it very isolating. Um, And then a lot of things that people use to help themselves treat migraines. um, Only until recently, there were no um, medications on the market that were migraine specific. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of treatments were based around anti-seizure, antidepressants, beta blockers, cholesterol, that type of stuff. Um, and so you are taking like an antidepressant that might not actually be used for your depression and it's not helping your depression because it's the wrong medication for your depression, but it could be the right medication for your migraines. Um and it that's why they're intractable. That's why they're really hard to treat because you don't have a very specific medication and that alone makes you feel hopeless because there's nothing to treat you. And medical cannabis, while it's great a lot of the time, honestly, it doesn't stop the pain. It just makes you not care about it so much. So like you're still living your life every day. Like I have a baseline and my baseline is like a two or three every day. But if you were to experience my baseline, you'd be like, holy shit, this is a six or seven. Yes, because when you start with a six or seven and you get used to it, it becomes a two or a three. And you're better than everyone. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But like to to anybody with like chronic pain. No, exactly. I mean, I think that people don't understand how much pain I'm in sometimes. And when I do like need to take Mm -hmm. a break, like it's um, that they're like, oh, like it's just your back or like, oh, you have a knot. I'm like, yeah, but like when it's this bad. Um, and it's making my back fall asleep and then I can't feel my yeah. fingers in my hand. Like it fucking sucks. And um, it is like way more than you're imagining. It's like not that I slept wrong. It's like yeah. I literally can't feel my fucking arm. Yeah, 100 percent. And I think a lot of people just don't understand what chronic pain can actually be like. And it can be really debilitating. Yeah. And I think that in itself makes it very much comorbid with depression because you're you're living with something that is never going to be treated yeah not in the way that you think that it can be like if you broke a bone you can put a cast on it it will eventually heal like yes you will have pain for x amount of weeks or whatever but for the most part you can put a cast on it you can let it heal then you can do pt and while pt is uncomfortable the long-term effects is you're going to just have sporadic pain when you live with something that is inside your body that's basically waging a war against you, you are in pain all the time or most of the time, and there is nothing that you can really do. Even the treatments that they offer you aren't really going to be super helpful for the long term. And that's what gives a lot of people a feeling of hopelessness. Yeah. I mean, they, they say that thing, chronic conditions um, that are eventually going to cause someone to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like... MS or mm-hmm. um, Parkinson's, um, I mean, especially like Alzheimer's and things yeah. like that, that there is obviously a lot of 
um, comorbidity with depression and they are having a really hard, I'm just really interested in in this because I, I mean, a lot of our parents are now getting older and now are um, being diagnosed with things like this. And um, I had a friend um, whose father passed away in high school um, by suicide and he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's and he was a much older parent. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've, this, it's like a morbid fascination of just like, which one is it or is it both? Because the symptoms can be so debilitating that like socially and emotionally you're beat to nothing. And of course that feels like the only solution like for yourself and for your family, but also like something's actually physically like causing this issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it's sometimes mind boggling as to why they don't have something like this figured out. But then you have to understand that science can only come so far. Right. Um, with all and, these regulations and rules and they're not right? allowed to test on humans. Um, but one thing I have noticed for myself, and I think this is just a me thing and just like how my brain is just very differently wired. Um, when I'm having a bout of like really bad depression, my migraine pain actually goes down. So you just need to be depressed all Basically, the Basically, 100%. Yeah, it's really weird. When <laughs> I'm like super depressive, um, or in a super depressive state, that's what I want to say, uh, my migraine pain tends to go down, but that's not always vice versa. Like it's usually if I have a really bad migraine, my depression gets worse and then they feed into each other. But if I start off in a depressive state, then I'm usually okay. And I don't know if that's because I just have this apathy where I don't care if I'm in pain because like what depression makes you feel about yourself. But for some reason, I either don't notice it as much or it's just legitimately not that bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's interesting. It is interesting. I, it's something that I've recently noticed within like the last year and a half or so. Like, so I know you have like antidepressants, but do you have de- just depressants? Can I, can I have a depressant? <laughs> like, I'm not so into alcohol, but like if we could just give like a low dose of, you know, some type of depressant. Can I get day? an upper and a downer together? <laughs> The blue and the yellow pill. Be like, I see what you're trying to do, but hear me out. I would like to be depressed all the time. That's one way to deal with it. Yeah, super fun. Um, Let's talk about something a little nicer before we end. <laughs> I feel like this is really nihilistic it, at this point. Like, yeah, it, got, it gets really dark. I'm fine with that, but not everybody might like, n- not like that, you know? Um, so what do you think, um, I think, I don't know, I don't want to say like dealing with this, but like how, what has like living your, like your particular life in your body, um, has really taught you? Um, that's a great question, Dr. Odd, let me tell you. (laughs) Um, no, actually this is a question that. I think a lot of people want to ask, but they're either unsure if this is a good question because it does have a lot of ableist connotations to it. Right. Exactly. Um, uh, For me, having migraines, especially during like college and then uh, now being an adult that has a full time job, um, it has taught me a few things about myself, about my capabilities, about what I need to do to get through the day. Um, 
not all of them are positive, but some of the positives are it has made me really good at time management because I know that I'm going to have a migraine at some stage. So when I feel like I can handle something, I'm going to handle it as soon as possible. Um, I don't typically let things linger as much because especially like via emails or um, like projects for work largely because I know at some point in that day, I'm not going to feel well and I'm going to hit a slump and crash and have some pain. Um, so I try to get it done as soon as possible. Um, even if it means spacing it out because it's just a long-term project, I try to chip away at it and just be more cognizant of how I am spending my time. Um, it has also made me, I guess in a sense, much more empathetic of other people and what they're going through. And whether or not I can actually relate to what they're going through. The fact of the matter is every day is a struggle for me in terms of pain. Um, and so when I see somebody struggling, be it like quite visible or, you know, very much invisible, um, I think it has been quite a lesson in empathy, even though sometimes I feel like I am not the most empathetic that I can be because there is that like there is that veil of pain like you're in a brain fog because you are in so much pain but it kind of has taught me to take the step back and just understand that people are going to deal it deal with it at their own time um and just try to be more patient even though patience isn't always easy when you yourself are in your brain fog and are in pain you kind of have to and you need to understand that other people are also probably going through something and it just kind of taught me that everybody has something because a lot of people can empathize at least on some level on what head pain feels like maybe not to the same level that like you or i could empathize on it but they do have some idea of what head pain feels like or like tooth pain people can understand what tooth pain feels like i can see the look on your face where you're like oh tooth pain that is how my teeth feel on very random occasions but for like three or four days at a time to sometimes a Don't month talk at a time. to me about tooth pain. I will be. I know. I know. But like that feeling of like breathing just hurts because everything is raw. Um, so like it does teach you some positives. There are a lot of negatives too. Um, just like you become very impatient with yourself because like, you know, you can do this. How come you can't fucking do this? Um, but on the flip side, it has taught me to be better with my time management and just like being able to empathize a little bit more. Okay, that's that great. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Odd. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I hope you all learned a little bit about our my beautiful co-host um, and about her um, sweet little brain. Um, if you all are interested um, in learning more about chronic migraines, maybe you'll email us. Um, our email is fraupowpodcast at gmail.com. Um, or you can always reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Frau Pal Podcast. And as always, friends, don't, don't be a dick. dick.